when you work at one of these companies and there's any kind of culture issue or the environment sucks, the people who say just quit are clearly not understanding that you work there because you actually love your job. You love what you do for a living. You work hard and the reward for working hard is sharing what you do with the world and having players see what you do. So I can speak to this firsthand. I worked at um, IGN when there was a walkout for uh, sexual harassment. Um, and some of the audience responses saying, I'm never going to read IGN again, just felt like being kicked while we were already down. Because even if you boycott the site, what that actually does is just reduce the thing that I enjoyed about working there. and welcome back to the Furidashi podcast. I am here with Lauren. Lauren, how you doing? Hi. Well, you know, I'm doing better than I was earlier this week. So that's Yeah, progress. I mean, what? Did you have a cold? <laughs> what, 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 what happened earlier? Oh, no, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, last week there was, like, this whole, you know, lawsuit with Activision Blizzard, and then it reminded people of Riot. One of my friends is moving to L.A., so it was just like, oh, look, everyone in your life is leaving you. Also, here's some extra emotional drama that's going to bring back all of the the beautiful and wonderful memories of getting into the game development industry. So, yeah, love nostalgia. So... <laughs> Yeah, there, there, a very big thing happened in, in the video games industry recently, and we kind of want to talk about it. But at the same time, I should note that we're recording this kind of as like after the first week of Fallout, um, but this episode won't appear until well after. And it's our hope that the conversation is still going on when this episode appears, because one of the problems that often occurs surrounding especially sexual harassment in the video games industry is that there's a big hubbub. And then the conversation just kind of disappears. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to talk about these issues because they're really hard to talk about, you know? And I think that for us, we want, even though this episode is being recorded and right aired later on, yeah. the conversation and the thoughts are going to be more general. And by more yes. general, we mean kind of universal to the entire industry. Yeah. And that's also something that we want to keep the conversation going, yes. right? Exactly. So, something I say a lot at work is we don't want to relive the past or we don't want to kind of glorify or even like draw so much attention to the past that we'll get stuck there. Like yeah. it will never get better. But what we do, what we want to do instead is to say, hey, this conversation needs to keep going because we need to ask ourselves, is this how it's going to be in the present? And is it going to continue into the future? Is that the future we want for all of humanity? Yes. Because if that is the future we want, then by all means, continue to talk about the past and be very upset about it. But hopefully this creates a springboard dialogue, a conversation, and we, you know, go into that brighter, better future uh, 
maybe, right? One one small yeah. inch at a time with one small person at a time, I think. I, I guess I would slightly disagree because, I mean, I agree with you in principle, but I think the problem is that in this particular situation, we have a problem that keeps happening. And it keeps happening in almost exactly the same way. And where you have an industry that is very white, very male. Um, and in particular, when you look at the power structure of the industry, especially like the largest companies, the largest studios, their C-suites are very white, very male. Yeah. Occasionally, they might hire a woman to be a token, essentially. But by and large, you're talking about, I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it, a kind of white supremacist industry which isn't necessarily reflective of the people doing like the work. In other words, the people like, you know, our hapless level designer is far less likely to be a white man. So this, there's this weird, like, yeah. This, yeah. This like if we talk about the industry, honestly, and even in the places that I've worked and the, some of the best people that I've worked with or the bosses that I've had. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether they're a white passing whites as head or, or they could also have been a minority, but they identify as his head. I'm bringing all of those specific definitions available because only a few have asked, hey, have I ever done anything that was bad to you? Yeah. Like I can count on one hand how many leaders I've had or leads or managers I've had in my life from any demographic that have asked, hey, could I have been better? And on one hand, and I've had dozens of managers, okay? Yeah. And this is not to say that the blame is always at the top, but it is to kind of illustrate that in our industry, Whenever someone tells me that leadership really didn't know, that's bullshit. Yes. Absolutely bullshit. Because I don't care if leaders didn't know it was happening to me. I don't care if leaders didn't know it was happening to the other women or even other men in my industry. Right? They should know that this happens because of human, like is a human issue. Okay? Right? This is... To say that you were not aware or it doesn't affect you is to lie to yourself and to the people that you're telling that because it does affect you because you have a wife or a daughter or you know a woman. Hey, you know me. If you told that to me, you know me. (laughs) Guess what? It affects you because it affects me. Yeah. To tell you to tell someone I didn't know it was going on or I wasn't aware is such a bullshit answer because the industry is saying, oh, I um." I just chose to ignore the fact that it, you know, there are women in my life. I just chose to ignore that fact. Yeah. So Lauren and I were having um, a conversation before we started recording, recording. And one of the things that I pointed out is that oftentimes, like, even when women are acknowledged, they're essentially expected to behave as if they were either like sexless or essentially like men. Like the expectations are still fundamentally like masculine, macho in nature. And like, that's really kind of messed. Yeah, that is why toxic masculinity is a problem. Because so let's let's talk about like the good parts maybe of masculinity, right? And I don't know what they are right now because it's still pretty fresh in my brain. But let's pretend. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Let's pretend that masculinity is this, you know, the beyond paragon of being a protector (laughs) And, you know, yeah. standing up for what's right and justice and stuff. I don't know. Sure. That sounds like... That sounds really weird in this context because... That sounds it's, super it's, weird in this. It's it for men who are not context. standing up for those yeah, things. That, no, exactly. That's what I'm pointing out, right? Yeah, okay. So let's say that's your paragon of masculinity, right? Toxic masculinity says, 
bury your emotions because you are impartial. Live long and prosper. Spock became a better navigator and, like, officer when he went on that journey into Vulcan heritage and got rid of all of his emotions because that's what toxic masculinity does. Like it buries and buries and buries yourself. Okay. Now, now this is true for men, right? And it's also true for women. So women, right? Toxic masculinity is used against women in our industry to say, Hey, you're being a little too emotional. Hey, you're being a little aggressive here. Right. Oh, Hey, you're getting, you know, don't let your feelings get ahead of you. Oh, you can't trust your instincts. Let's look at data. Right. But then when you think about how we make decisions at the highest level, it really is instinctual. And then you've got these men that are in power going, oh, I don't know. I don't know. That level just doesn't feel right. I just, yeah. you know, I, just I can't. I don't know what's wrong. You know, and yeah. then you're like, oh, my gosh, if I said <laughs> that, you'd be like, I don't know. What does the data say? I'm like, no, fuck, you know what? What does your data say? <laughs> that, that is what we're talking about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. have a man come up and just go, you know, I have really good instinct about this. And I think I'm going to go for it. Now, in that context of man, right, seeing another man saying that, like, you know what, bro, like you do that because like if men fail, that's totally fine. But if a woman said that, they'd be like, I don't know, like, what's your proof? Did you do some research? What's your data? Now, toxic masculinity creates genderlessness for women because women, right, are sexless now. So if we show emotions or feelings, oh, suddenly we're two being woman, woman, two woman. Right yeah. now, if we don't show emotions or feelings, oh man, what an ice cold bitch. Yeah. yeah. Like, whoa. Right. So yeah. now men who want to show their feelings or, or want to go, Hey, like, I want to talk about how you disrespected me. Yeah. Toxic man will go, what do you mean? That wasn't disrespect, bro. That was just, you know, workplace. Like that was just making sure that, yeah. you know, we were on the same page and then you're yeah. that guy. Okay. Now was an ally. All right, is now not becoming an ally because he is not able to talk about how he feels. So now imagine a woman, okay, who's being abused or emotionally gaslit in the same way. Yeah. And she goes, Wait, I think, I think my lead just hit on me. But, you know, he kind of does that with the guys too. Maybe I'm just one of the guys. But you're not because you're a woman, yeah. right? In this context of toxic masculinity, not yeah. to say like male and female friendship cannot exist. Because that is the that is the antithesis of toxic masculinity. Because toxic masculinity says female friends cannot exist because all females are objects of desire, yeah. and male desire only means like input output binary data, all or nothing thinking. Blah yeah. blah. I have no emotions, but I'm a crybaby. Yeah. Like <laughs> anyway, to get hopefully in, that argument makes sense and you can kind of follow it along. But basically, it. Toxic masculinity is not good for anyone because it's taking one man's perspective, putting it on a man that could have been an ally. And if that woman goes to the man who could have been an ally, not realizing what has happened to him and him being gaslit, will now no longer stand up for her, not because he doesn't realize that something is off, but because he has been told by a superior not to trust his feelings. Yep. And now the woman will go, oh, you know... Jerry, that's going to be the ally man. And okay. Tom will be the not ally man. Toxic okay. Tom. Toxic Tom. Juvenile Jerry. Ju- right? <laughs> All right. Uh, and like, and the woman doesn't get a name because, you know, women, women aren't named. No, I'm kidding. Because what are we, women? we all that women. What, what, is what are women? women? I don't know. Uh, but before we get into the discussion, just to show this, she's like, oh, you know what, Jerry, you're right. I should just go talk to Tom and I should just tell him, just like he tells you, right? Yeah. I should just tell him the way like, that he's behaving is inappropriate, which if you've ever taken like a course 
uh, and maybe some of you haven't, but if you've ever taken a sexual harassment course, you absolutely do not go to Tom and tell him that the way he's treating you is wrong because that puts you in danger. You're supposed to go to HR. We'll get there. So um, um, hold on. Yeah, I know. It's so bad (laughs) if you've taken a course, okay? She goes to Tom, right? When you go to Tom, you go, Tom, you are behaving inappropriately to me. Tom is your manager or your lead or your boss or your CEO or someone who has power over you. And if you take someone who doesn't have power, where Nicholas can actually go into this discussion more, which is why I wanted to kind of get here in the argument, is that if you go to someone who has way more power than you in a power dynamic, like individuality and American freedom aside, in a power dynamic, if he controls the money that you bring in for your family, and if you were a woman who was a primary breadwinner, which is a lot of the cases in the games industry, and honestly, in some of the tech industry in general, now your family is at risk. Your... You know, you sell, you are yourself at risk. And it's almost like in the least case scenario, you, your individual person are traumatized and at risk. That is the worst. That's the least worst case. Right. Well, bad, in the but worst, yeah, yeah. Right. It's terrible. But yeah. literally like shy from murder. Okay. The least worst case is you being traumatized for life in that scenario. Yeah. There is no out. There is no good outcome. And that's yeah. really the heart of this matter is that Jerry could have just said no. I should talk to him because he needs to recognize, right, that he has something that, you know, you'll get thrown around the internet called privilege, but he has power. Whether he realizes or not, he has power over Tom to go, you know, Tom, like, I might get, like, lost, but out of all the hundred engineers, right, around me, yeah, we've only ever seen five that identify as women, right? Yeah. And this is even worse, right, if we go into non-binary. Oh, yeah, right? definitely, yeah. Different than putting someone who identifies as male or female and making them feel genderless, just so that we can very clear cut that line. Yeah. Like there are a lot of nuances in this issue. Yeah. So to talk about that power stru- structure, right? Cause we also want to talk about like, how does this make bad games? And also like, let's get into the theory of it. Yeah. We have Nicholas to really identify that power structure. Um, and also as a very, he's a very big ally. He's a huge supporter. He's been a supporter of mine for, I don't know, 10 years now. I try. Yeah, and you try. And th- that you try. Thank you. Gold star because you know what? I you tried but I in a positive yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't necessarily want to get like um I don't know. A I'm just going to I'm just shouting you out. Because <laughs> well, no. I feel super comfortable at this point now that I have done my here's how it is in the game industry rand. Here's a situation I've seen time and time again. You talked about how it proceeds. Yeah. Let's get into the actual power dynamics of it and so, discuss yeah. that. That's what's going on. So the first thing I, I would like to, I mean, Lauren is a friend of mine. And so here's the thing. Like we're, I guess you could say more or less, I mean, I'm, old, I'm much older than Lauren, but we're more or less like colleagues at this point. I am. I'm a lot older than you. I'm like 20 years older than you. Are you really? No, like okay, 20 not, years not, old? Like, would, <laughs> come on. I, wow. I just made myself what, like fifty-five? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I'm not that old. Yeah, okay. I'm like ten years old. <laughs> anyway, the point is, is that there was a point in the past in which I had like clear power over her future. Like directly, not in the sort of like diffuse way that like some teachers have. Like I was literally the guy who had to sign the form that allowed her to graduate and i did 
And I also put a really great, I believe it was um, Twilight Sparkle sticker on that form as well. <laughs> he did. He put a Twilight Star- Sparkle sticker and we turned it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> but the point is, is that like you as the person who is in the position of power, you have to be acutely aware of all of the ways in which that social dynamic can play out. Because you see this time and time again, especially in the academy, where like especially like professors and their grad students. I mean, both adults will like start having like sexual relationships. I'm not, I don't care if they have sexual relationships, but the problem comes in where then the person who is in position of authority can either use their authority to browbeat their partner into doing certain things or give them certain advantages that say other like grad students in a similar position wouldn't necessarily have. You have to, if you're going to be in that kind of relationship, it's a very fine line because you have to be constantly aware of all those little things that can happen. I don't have any power over Lauren anymore. Like that's, that's, that's done and dusted. Thank God. But the thing is, so if you are, Jerry was the, was the potential ally. If you're Jerry in this situation, one of the things that you have to be, you have to be aware of two things. One, you have to be aware of the power dynamic between yourself and the person you're going to confront. And you need to be aware of the relative power dynamic between yourself and the person you are going to advocate on behalf of. Because the thing is, like, those two things may be in direct conflict with each other. So the thing is, like, even, like, let's say, let's say Jerry and Lauren are on the same, like, team. They're, like, literally, they're both fresh, junior, hapless level designers working on levels. Like, as far as the, the corporate structure is concerned, they're on the same level. The problem with seeing that as an equivalence is that because of sort of like the whole like patriarchal structure of society, Jerry is going to have an easier time forging a kind of buddy-buddy relationship with Tom, or at least the appearance of a buddy-buddy relationship, than Lauren is going to have. Lauren is going to have to work much harder to do that. And so the thing is, even if you think that you're on the same level, like if Jerry thinks he's on the same level as Lauren simply because they have like identical job, identical pay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, he's actually not. And the reason why he's not is because the social structure elevates him in a way that it does not elevate Lauren. Now, the theoretical underpinning for this, especially when we're talking about gender, is this concept known as the male gaze. And what is the male gaze? The male gaze is a lot of things. And I and as I don't know, as, as a sort of like psychoanalytic concept, I'm not a huge fan. But the basic premise is this. Uh, for all of our <laughs> listeners out there, do you want to like underpin the fact that the male gaze is actually a real theoretical concept? It is a real just, theoretical concept. Yeah. yeah. Just you bullshitting. I just want everyone oh, no, to no, realize no, no, no. he is not bullshitting. It is a real theoretical concept. Yeah, there's there's Please a femi- continue. there's a feminist film theorist named Laura Mulvey, and she came up with the concept. Well, she sort of developed the concept. She didn't come up with the term of the male gaze. And what is the male gaze? Well, in terms of media, it's this idea that like the apparatus itself, like the filmic structure is what she calls it. Like the way films see the world is as if a man is looking at them. And she identifies all the particular ways in which that plays out, like the way in which like women's bodies tend to be framed as opposed to men's bodies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you look at this in terms of like sort of a social critique, it means that like we are indoctrinated, literally indoctrinated by our society to see our social relationships as if we were men. And the thing is this, and, and when I say men, I mean like big M men, as in like this very narrowly, like what Lauren referred to as toxic masculinity, this very narrowly circumscribed concept of malehood. Not only men are expected to think this way, but 
everyone is expected to see society in this way. And so the thing is, it's precisely what Lauren was saying. It's like, okay, I can be a woman in this position, but being a woman in this position means I have to adopt this persona that is better suited to this sort of like social structure that wants me to see myself and my relationship to others in, in these like sort of hyper-masculine terms. And that is sort of like the, the sort of the social application of this notion of the male gaze. And so the question is, well, what do you do about that? And I have... I have a slightly different approach to this than Lauren does. One, because I come from, you know, a political organizing background. Fundamentally, it has to be a question of solidarity. And so that's what Lauren is saying by like allyship. Like you actually have to, if the problem is like society or sort of a corporate structure is forcing to see yourself in relationship to others in a particular way, you actually, it is the burden is upon you, meaning guys like me, like, you know, cishet white guys like me, to actually break themselves of that worldview to actually try in other words when a woman comes to you with a story of like sexual harassment or whatever not only to just believe them but also to try and see things through the way that they likely see them or at least attempt to do that you may not it may not work you may fuck up and it's okay to fuck up but you have to at least try to do it Long pause. <laughs> Apologies for, for the long pause. But I want no, to No, we need the long pause. Like yeah. you have to at least try to do it. Yes. Because it all comes down to if you think that it doesn't affect you, it's never happened to you. You don't know anyone who it's happened to. You never knew it was a problem. You never realized you had to be aware of it. You know, you haven't seen it in your life and the thought of it actually ever happening just could never cross your brain. You right there are not being an ally. Nope. If you have thought any of those, and I really encourage you to rewind everything and listen to those statements. Have you ever thought, yes, like, have you ever said any of those questions? And, you know, frankly, I'm sure that at one point in my life, I said yes to them too. Yeah. I am a terrible ally. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where we start by realizing how we have been terrible so that when we look at those questions and we remember that we think those things, we go, wait, that's my yellow flag. That's me thinking something that is not seeing it from their perspective. That is incorrect. I need to step back and start to answer no to that, right? Or yeah. say, not think that, think the opposite. Instead of thinking, I never knew that it was going on, or I never knew that it could happen to someone. Yeah. Go, it happens to everyone that I have seen. And now suddenly you probably feel very panicked and uncomfortable thinking that, right? You're like, mm -hmm. oh, oh God, like I'm on high alert. I have really high stress. I am flight or flight. Oh, okay. Now you are Lauren as a hapless level designer. Yep. Now you are me walking down the street. Yeah. Like done. Now, now you know how to be an ally, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So. I mean, not really. That yeah, was yeah, a but, joke, but, but yeah, no, no, I no, you're not wrong. But yeah. we, we need to try and think about this in a way that isn't like you have to have a low grade panic attack at all times. <laughs> no, you don't have to have a low grade panic attack at all times. But you have it. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable. You're not yeah. going to want to feel that way. Is the no. point? Yeah. Nobody wants to feel that way. Yeah. Nobody wants to feel like they're going to have a low grade panic attack shopping for groceries. Yeah. Right. Or going to work getting paid to do the job that you were hired to do getting paid to do jobs you weren't hired to do but were told you had to do otherwise you were going to be fired <laughs> yeah right? exactly, like nobody yeah. wants that of any gender right yeah. 
And maybe there are a lot of right men or women or non-binary individuals who, who have all experienced that, right? Yeah. Actually, but- that, that's a really good point because so to, to use something specific from the whole like Activision Blizzard situation, one of the things that I noticed, especially in like the testimonials from people that came out on social media afterwards, is that in addition to like the things that you could sort of very clearly describe as sexual harassment, there was also just a lot of like harassment like just it, not even necessarily sexual nature. Like for example, there was um, a whole thread of uh, GMs for World of Warcraft who were talking about like these absolutely in like insane metrics that they're forced to keep that they can't. And then when they fail, like their gender is then used against them. And it's like, oh, well, of course you couldn't keep up with this because you know, X, Y, and Z. And so the thing is like th- these things overlap with each other. Like one, it'd be a lot less difficult for people in those positions not to say like making being a woman in that position makes it worse, but what makes it bad in the first place, the sort of the tool of oppression is the fact that like people are being run ragged constantly. And that never gives you an opportunity. Like if your brain is constantly focused on like, I have to get this done and 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 this done. It never gives you time to stop and think like, Oh wait, what is going on here? What is being done to me? Like you're being drained emotionally intellectually and oftentimes physically as well so that you never get the opportunity to stop and say wait this is all effed up no yeah and it happens when you look at emotional abuse you look at mental abuse right like when i talk about abuse or i talk about harassment and i've talked about these issues in the industry i don't want anyone to construe them with you know one of the worst right? Yeah. Which is like sexual harassment or, or murder, right? And I, I kind of bring up murder because one, it's really fun to say. Um, <laughs> and, and second, I bring it up because people are like, oh man, but you know, at least he didn't kill her. Like, no, why would you say that? Yeah. Like, that's, that's terrible. He'd still get away with it. And now you'd have a dead person, right? Yeah. Like that's terrifying to me uh, on a, uh, psychological level, not so much like a, an emotional level. Cause I'm just dead inside at this point, but, <laughs> but mental abuse and emotional abuse are just as bad, if not more, more traumatizing because in, in one way, if you have ever, uh, I guess trigger warning here, I don't know if there is ever physical abuse, you can kind of dull your physical senses, right? You can say, Oh, it's just my, my body, but it's not my mind that's being attacked. Okay? Yeah, it's not diso- my emotions. Yeah. People often dissociate. In those right. It's disassociation. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you can change your body, right? You can try to become like thinner, you can try to become fatter, like, like, there is genetics involved in that. But like, you know, your body is something that you kind of control. And you can disassociate with that, if you no longer feel like it's in your control, but your mind, okay, your heart, those are still you. So even if you're disassociated with it, you're like, this is protected. Yeah. Emotional and mental abuse can be more traumatizing for any gender, because of what Nicholas is saying is that you're being run ragged. Yeah. All of the time. Yeah. You actually can't tell if the thoughts you're having are the thoughts that are truthful, if they're facts, right? Your friends will suddenly say something different and suddenly you're like, that's not what's happening to me. Actually, everything that I'm going through is completely valid and I should be feeling and I should be thinking this way, right? Yeah. Um, you see a lot of people go into therapy or get anxiety or get depression, right? That are through these traumatic experiences. And I have to say that in a lot of older companies, it is really hard to make video games with toxic people because not only are the toxic people running you ragged doing these like mindless tasks of all genders, but that when you're in that corporate environment and it's kind of quality at any cost, 
right? Or the best game, regardless of what happens, that's what leads to these crunch hours. That's what leads to families breaking apart. And I'm not talking about like getting divorced or like never seeing your kid. Like I'm just talking about your family in general. Like maybe your mom was sick and she's on her deathbed and you don't go because like, oh, you're working a 90 hour week this week. Sorry, ma, this video game is way more important than the fact that you raised me. Right. Yeah. Um, And we'll kind of maybe get more into the how does this affect games in our practical episode? But I just wanted to like really reiterate that the emotional and mental abuse comes with the physical abuse. So if we're already bringing to light physical abuse, like that's, it's already gone down the chain. It's already gone down the spectrum. Well, and I think the other thing that's really important to note is something that we began this episode with, which is that like, you have to keep on top of it. So again, drawing from like my political background, one of the things that I see all the time is that people like, like there's a really big hot button issue. People get really excited. They protest and they run themselves ragged and they burn themselves out as a result of trying to go so hard against like a particular thing. And then they just drop on like I, because the thing is like the system is designed to wait you out. It wants you to fail. It wants you to burn yourself out. And you see a perfect example of this in recently what, again, this may be like old news by the time this episode comes out. But one of the things that Blizzard has now done is at the same time that it's putting out these somewhat better statements about like how wrong all of these things were, they're also now hiring like an absolutely famous union busting firm. And what has this firm done? They've already gone into the company and started setting using all of the same tactics that they use to break up union organizing to break up all of the organization that has surrounded like actually fighting back against the harassment of women in the company. Like they're doing the same things because they don't want people to get together. They don't want people to share their experiences because if people start sharing their experiences and be honest about it, be honest with their with the male employees as well as female employees, as like transgender employees, anyone, then people will start to realize like, no, actually they're describing reality. The thing that I experienced as reality before was the delusion. And the thing is the company benefits from the delusion. They don't benefit from reality because the reality is fucked. Sorry, apologies yeah. for this. And yeah, we tried not to. I guess we tried not to use the F word. I really, I, 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 I tried. Yeah, I effed before, but now I'm just like, no, that, like this, you can't talk about something like this in these sort of like sanitized terms, precisely because like the forces working against the people who are in the position of least power are really sinister, and they want everything to go away. Like it went, like it kind of went away with Ubisoft, although there are things there are sort of rumblings in france right now that sort of maybe ubisoft will be taken to task for their bs but that has always been the strategy in the video games industry is to sort of like let the furor happen be like oh we feel so bad about it but then like essentially hunker down and wait for it to pass and then go back and do the same things all over again there's a couple of things i just wanted to touch on as we close this out here is the first that i know we've named some companies here and yes. this is a very while this is a widespread <laughs> in, while this is a widespread industry issue, we have to recognize that not only is allyship up to the individual, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's the individual stories, and it's believing the individuals that matter. And there are yeah. just if you looked at like the pictures from the walkout that happened, right? Those are the individuals and the people that want to make a difference. There were walkouts actually all throughout Activision. Yep. Right. I'm sure that there are walkouts or there are people that are talking throughout Ubisoft, right? Throughout that company. And that the individuals who make these games, 
right? Regardless of, you know, gender or nationality, demographic, background, whatever, like not all of those individuals, right, are roped up in all of this company politics. But unfortunately, the truth is that all of the individuals are responsible for creating a company, right, and making that company safe. And in large part, from the purpose of this like episode that we've created, I hope that you recognize that as a white male, right, cishet individual, you recognize the power that you have inherently in the patriarchal society, right? In a society that values the work that men put in more than it values the, the work that women put in. Or if you identify as something that's not male or female, you are devalued even further, right? Yeah. We're not going to get into that necessarily. That's a heavy topic. Yeah. Maybe more heavy than this, <laughs> you know, but I did want to point out that like it is an individual contribution, right? And then secondly, I've already said a lot of great things here, hopefully, that have helped you realize how to be a stronger supporter in general, but that when you look at your life or you look, you want to get into games or you want to make games that the best games have been made by diverse teams, right? The best games have been made by people who all are coming together. When I'm talking about the best, I'm not necessarily talking about a really high Metacritic score or a game that is a classic and everybody wants to play on a PC emulator or whatever. I am talking about the games that were genuinely fun to make by a lot of fun people who made friends and who supported each other because those are the best games that we want.